Hello, my Three Crosses family. It is so great to be with you today. Whether you find yourself on our live church platform or watching later on YouTube, I'm really excited about the truth that we get to dive in from God's word together. My name is Annie, and I'm the elementary children's director here at Three Crosses. I get to work with an amazing team to reach your kids with the message of God's word, and I absolutely love it. You might notice some uh, comic strip painting behind me. That's because I'm here in our children's ministry center and we so miss meeting here with your kids. But I'm excited for what we get to talk about today. Today, I have the privilege of closing out our series, The Complexity of Forgiveness. We've been walking through the life of Joseph as found in the book of Genesis. We've walked through some crazy twists and turns on his story all the way from betrayal on through to forgiveness. And today we get the chance to look at the big picture, at the end of the story and reflect on what it means for our lives. It is a story of hope, which I believe is something we all need, especially in this season. Right now, when you look at all that is taking place, our world is clearly marred by sin. Brokenness is showing itself all around us. It's pretty hard to ignore. And for some of you, you might be feeling the reality of this brokenness on a very personal level. Sin is hitting you personally in this season. It may be that you've been betrayed, you've been hurt, but today is about hope. Asking ourselves the question, how can God use even this? How can God use this crazy season and all these difficult moments in some great, beautiful way? And so my hope is that God's word for us today brings your heart encouragement in light of a rough season, that it brings you a breath of fresh air and that it is water for your soul. In these past weeks, we've been looking at Joseph's life and talking about forgiveness and not the quick and easy forgiveness that comes when someone drops a plate at home and feels sorry. We've been talking about the difficult side of forgiveness, the forgiveness asked of us when someone has deeply hurt us and we want to say we forgive them, but it just isn't that easy. Although we've been forgiven much, forgiving takes some major steps. It's hard to release the pain we feel and that somehow by forgiving, we feel we're condoning the action. So instead, we choose to simply move on. We forge ahead. We move on with our lives because that's all you can get our, yourself to do. But to truly forgive requires something so much more. I was reminded of the complexity of forgiveness as I was working on a home project these past few weeks. I don't know about you, but in this season of staying at home, my husband and I have been doing a lot of projects around the house. We had the added push of a deadline as we were getting ready for a home inspection trying to plow through a checklist of things to have ready. And as we're doing this, of course, there's priorities. But what am I doing? What am I working on? I'm working on something absolutely not on the checklist. It's a project I've been wanting to do in our hallway for a while. And suddenly now just seems like the right time. I call it the Hall of Fame. I want to fill the walls with some of the most amazing pictures of some of our most favorite people. So naturally, as we're scrambling to get ready for a home inspection, I'm just sitting there sifting through old pictures. In my search though, I found this picture of my grandpa. He's just looking all cool with this backdrop of somewhere in New York behind him, this epic shot. I don't know how old he is, but I do know one thing. He looks cooler in a single moment than I have looked in my entire life. I'm looking for these types of pictures or a picture like this one I found of one of my nieces. We're having a week as a family up near Tahoe, enjoying ourselves. We've been at the lake all day and we've just hit that perfect time. The sun is going down. We've got the golden light behind the mountains. We practically have this whole lake to ourselves. And what's my niece doing? Well, she's having an epic meltdown. 
So of course, we took a picture because we have to remember this moment. I want these types of pictures in our hallway. The pictures that just bring a smile to your face. Pictures have this way of reminding us of some of our best moments in life, those highlight moments. But what's interesting is that I looked through these photos, I was suddenly hit by one of them and not in that same nostalgic, happy way. It's a picture of me smiling with my teammates while I lived in Ukraine. For those who don't know, I was a missionary in Ukraine for over seven years, and I invested in a ministry there for over a decade. And I was hit by this picture because instead of bringing up a happy moment, I was instead reminded of a point in time that was marked by a lot of betrayal, a lot of sadness, and a lot of hardship. After over a decade of building a ministry and investing in relationships with kids in orphanages, some secrets um, of betrayal, secrets started to surface from the very people in this photo. Lies going around that were causing a lot of pain and putting marks on ministry that had been so vital. Things I had been investing in and working on for so long were being torn down. In this particular instance, this picture didn't remind me of a happy moment I would wanna frame and put on the wall. Instead, it broke my heart and reminded me that forgiving people is really hard to do. I feel like even years later, I'm still working on it. Forgiveness takes humility and sacrifice when sometimes all we want is justice. So wherever you are right now, if you're in the midst of pushing through a difficult season, if you feel like you're trudging through the mud and each step just takes so much effort, well, I'm excited to share today's message with you because I believe it is for you. I believe Joseph's story offers us incredible hope. We get the opportunity to look at the big picture of the overall story and how everything worked together in the end. We started out weeks ago by looking at the backstory of betrayal. There's always a backstory, not to point a finger. It doesn't mean by any means that the betrayal is deserved, but it does, however, help us to understand how things got to where they are. How did things get to this point for Joseph and his brothers? We know he was deeply loved by his father and he, he knew it. And his brothers were incredibly envious, envy. There's more to the story than just the moment of betrayal. The following week, we looked at the actual betrayal. And for Joseph, that moment happened when his brothers chose to throw him in a pit, when they decided to get rid of him for good, or at least in their minds. They opt to sell him to a band of traitors. The truth is that betrayal is dark and it's difficult. It's the cause of an extreme amount of pain in people's lives because the reality is betrayal by nature is from somebody who is close to us, someone we have put our trust in, that's why it hurts so much. Then we looked at the aftermath of betrayal. Unfortunately, betrayal often leads a trail that follows us, and it follows Joseph in this situation. As he's serving in the house of Potiphar as a slave, he ends up in another rough situation as Potiphar's wife makes a move on him and Joseph doesn't reciprocate it. So she in turn paints a false narrative. It's not deserved, but now Joseph is thrown in prison as a result. The initial betrayal from his brother set in motion years of hardship for Joseph. Betrayal changes things, and it can't be undone. Things don't get to go back to the way they were before. Things never look the same, and that's hard because there's grief and there's loss in light of all of those changes. We finished off last week as we made it to the beautiful moment of restoration. Getting there is complicated, and being willing to forgive doesn't come easily. Joseph's willingness to forgive required absolute humility. 
Joseph, in this moment, holds all the power. He's now leading in Egypt, and his brothers are in the weak spot. They are the ones in need of help. He could have absolutely said, sorry guys, you're out of luck. Remember when you betrayed me? Well, what goes around comes around. What Joseph did though, did not come easily. Now for us today, today we've made our way out of betrayal and we hit a major moment of hope. And I think this hope is so desperately needed right now. We're going to find that hope in the closing of the story in Genesis chapter 50. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up and we start with verse 15. At this point, Joseph's family has now moved to Egypt. Jacob has passed away. And it says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for the evil we did to him. They're worried that now Joseph has all the power. Their father is gone. He can't protect them anymore. And it's a legit concern. It continues, so they send a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of God, your father. When they bring this message, Joseph's response is to weep as they spoke to him. His brothers came down, they fell before him and said, behold, we are your servants. They're ready in this moment to do anything because they know they deserve nothing. But Joseph, Joseph here has a mind blowing response. He says to them, do not fear for I'm in the place of the Lord. Joseph knows with whom his favor rests. Joseph knows who holds his life. What he says next is our key for today. He says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be alive as they are today. So don't fear, I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted and spoke kindly to, to them. Joseph spoke to speak kindly and comfort the ones who betrayed him. But what I really wanna focus in on is something he said in verse 20. Underline this one, highlight it, put arrows by it. It says that what you meant for evil, but God meant it for good. But God meant it for good. Let that sink in for a moment. He's saying to them, you meant harm against me. You were in sin. You wanted evil to come upon me. You sold me in hopes of getting rid of me. But God, but the God who's capable of so much more than we could ever comprehend, he meant it for good. This shows us how incredibly far Joseph has come through the journey of his life in this moment. The truth is we don't know how hard things were for him in the midst. I have no doubts that he had some very dark, difficult days in light of everything he experienced. But his response shows a deep understanding of who God is. He says, I'm in the place of God. He knows he's exactly where he needs to be. He's at the end of the story. He's no longer in the midst of the dark waiting season. And now he can look back and see, wow, look at all God has done. God has worked mightily. Even though my brothers sold me, even though they meant harm against me, God still used it. Hindsight has provided him an amazing gift as he can look back and see where all the broken moments were used to get him to where he is as he helps navigate Egypt through a famine, you know, just saving lives and stuff, no big deal. But the reality for most of us is that we aren't quite there yet in our own stories. 
We don't get the privilege of knowing how everything is going to turn out, how God is going to use these difficult moments. But that's where Joseph's story is so important for us. Joseph's story allows us to take away some really important truths to help us understand where we're at in our own lives and how God can use it to help us as we're in our own stories in the midst of our own pain or in the midst of this particular season. Let me just say that none of this is to discredit or make light of what you're going through. There's no doubt that some of us are experiencing a deep depth of pain. You might be feeling the weight of so much where you sit, but I do believe that this all gives a deep value to some of our greatest struggles. And what a beautiful hope that is, that God can use even evil for good. One important takeaway from Joseph's life is the truth of God's presence. God was always with Joseph. A key phrase we see in Joseph's story is that the Lord was with Joseph. It was pointed out a few weeks ago in our series, but it's too important not to touch upon again. We see this phrase in Genesis chapter 29, verse 2, as Joseph is first brought to the house of Potiphar. It says, The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. Through this, we receive a little glimpse into the fact that God always has a plan because the Lord doesn't suddenly leave Joseph now that he's been sold. He doesn't just leave Joseph because things aren't going well. And it's an important reminder of a very important truth. The Lord's presence never left Joseph, no matter what. Later, this phrase is used again in chapter 39, verse 21, and it says, But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Joseph is now in prison. He's just experienced another major blow in his life, but God doesn't suddenly leave him there either. We don't know how Joseph was feeling in this moment and what emotions he was experiencing, but we know that the Lord was with him and is helping him even now. God isn't done working with Joseph. He's not done with Joseph's life and he hasn't abandoned him, even though in the moment, things probably seemed really dark and difficult. And that's true for our lives as well. In the darkest moments, God is there. If you find yourself in a pit, God is still there. And as life continues to throw punch after punch around each turn and things just don't go the way you planned, God is still there in the brokenness God is present. He cares for you and he loves you. He will never leave you. Betrayal has that way of making you feel so absolutely alone. You're the only person that can truly understand your personal pain. Like we said, most likely the betrayal you've experienced has come from a loved one and all of it can feel so incredibly isolating. When I look at that picture, and back on that time in Ukraine, I was living in a foreign country where I had dedicated years of my life, living with a team of people I trusted, and suddenly I felt so abandoned and alone as a result of everything that was unraveling around me. I didn't get the choice in this one, and so it felt undeserved and it felt heartbreaking. I distinctly remember one summer day in Ukraine. Summer in Ukraine gets surprisingly hot and we lived on the 10th floor of an apartment building and there was absolutely no relief from the heat except to go swimming. So we're all heading out to go swim, but I was just overwhelmed all of a sudden by all of the brokenness around me and I just couldn't put on a happy face and head on out with the team. So instead I ended up staying back alone. I remember being in my room with the door closed just crying because betrayal can hurt so deeply 
and it had left me feeling so alone. The truth is that these seasons of life can be absolutely isolating, unless we real. It doesn't help when we're dealing with a literal season of sheltering in place and essentially being in times of isolation in our homes. And then we have the truth of brokenness revealed every time you turn on the news. The truth that hate exists. It's been a crazy season. And the isolation of it all only amplifies your vulnerability and the pain. But we have to remember this truth. The Lord was with Joseph and the Lord is with you. Hold on to his presence. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He never leaves us. That is a promise he has made to us, which also leads us to another truth Joseph's story reminds us of. Alongside God's presence, we're reminded of the truth of God's promises. God will always fulfill his promises. This might not be done in our timing, it's in his timing, but when he makes a promise, he is incapable of not fulfilling it. He will always fulfill his promises. He uses Joseph's life to help fulfill a promise that was made not to Joseph, not to his father Jacob, but back to Abraham. A promise that was made to Abraham that included a promise for his descendants as well as the land of Israel. Leading into this story, things aren't going so well for his descendants. They're not in the place they need to be in order for the fulfillment of this promise. And as we head into Joseph's story, God starts to do something remarkable. Weaving together events through betrayal, sin, and brokenness, God orchestrates a story through it all that brings Abraham's family back to a place of promise. God used sin and hardship to fulfill a promise. God cannot fail us. This is true for Joseph and this is true for us. He never failed Joseph, even when it felt difficult and hard and the story didn't seem to have much hope left. For Joseph, God overruled human history to accomplish his gracious purpose. If he can do that through Joseph's life, he can do so much through your life. He had a plan the entire time and sin couldn't stop it. Sin could not get in the way of God's fulfillment of his promise. The greatest promise God ever made was to send a savior. Our sin has always been an issue, but through Jesus's life, death, and resurrection, we see this promise fulfilled. Jesus conquered sin and death. We can't get in the way of God's fulfillment of his promises. If God promises, he will do it. He can use even the worst situations. How amazing is that? His promise for provision, his promise to forgive, to give us rest when we'll, we are weary. Our hope is found in his promises and Joseph's story reminds us that God always fulfills his promises. Turn to his promises in your dark season. Through Joseph's story, we're not only reminded of God's presence in our lives and the fulfillment of his promises, but the amazing truth of God's providence. This is the key moral of Joseph's story and Joseph verbalizes it in chapter 50, verse 20. Joseph gives us this amazing response to his brothers because he gets it. He understands that God can use all things. His brothers meant evil and harm against him, but God used it. God never stopped working in his life. Looking at some of the key moments in Joseph's life, we're reminded that things don't happen by coincidence. God's hand is always at work. It starts when Joseph is simply out looking for his brothers that fateful day. If he had not run into the man in the field at this point who sent him in the direction of his brothers, the story wouldn't have unfolded. A seemingly insignificant moment is the key to beginning Joseph's story to Egypt. 
Now on this particular day, Joseph's thrown into a pit. It just happens to be that a caravan of traders are passing by and his brothers are able to sell him. It's not by coincidence that they end up taking Joseph to Egypt, which brings him to Potiphar's household as a slave. This isn't chance at work. This is God's sovereignty, his providence, because he has a plan. Joseph just doesn't know it yet. It's not by chance that Joseph is put into a prison alongside offenders of the king. This is how he is able to interpret the dreams of two men who eventually remember Joseph when Pharaoh needs help with his own disturbing dream. Suddenly, we find Joseph in a place of leadership because of all of this. None of these key moments were accidental. They are a reminder of God's hand working even in the midst of sin, even in the midst of so much brokenness. In the aftermath of betrayal, God was working. Let's not forget that God uses crisis throughout the entire land to bring Joseph's brothers before him in the end. God used every single thing and it's absolutely mind-blowing to me. This story is a reminder that God can use all things. None of it is an accident. It is all through God's providence. His story reigns even when Satan tries to get in the way. The reality is our world is broken. People can bring harm on others. People are sinful. People hate others. Those close to us can betray us and cause us the deepest scars. But the beautiful truth we get to take from Joseph's life and his story is so important. The truth that God can use it all for good. But what you meant for evil, what you meant for evil, God meant it for good. A couple of weeks ago, we spent a little time in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And this verse kept coming to my mind. The Lord works it all together for the good of those who love them. This is a reiteration of what Joseph has said here in Genesis. We continued through the following verses in that chapter, and I encourage you to go back and read them. It later says, if God is for us, who can be against us? What a powerful truth we can remember and cling to. Things crash down around us, hearts break. But if God is for us, no one can truly be against us. He gave his son for us. He's not about to leave you. He's not about to fail you. This chapter finishes out by saying that nothing can separate us from the love of God because God is with you. His love is with you no matter what is going on around you. These truths are what we have to cling to in our most difficult seasons. Timeless truths that never change from Joseph to Paul and beyond into our lives. The privilege that we have when we're able to look at the full picture is that we can see how God worked and moved even in a dark situation. Even when people meant evil and harm against you, whether personally in your own life, we can also look at scripture for a story like Joseph's and see how God worked. The thing is, when you're in the midst, you don't get to know how God is going to use it all. You don't know how the story ends. That's the hard part. It's hard to have faith in the moment that God can use even this. Looking at our world today, God can use even this. In the midst of betrayal in your family, in your marriage, the pain and hardship it's causing your children, that God can use even this. It's an amazing and beautiful truth, just not always easy to walk through to the end. Looking at back at that picture I found, 
It was a moment in time that felt hard and difficult. Not necessarily my easiest season to walk through. But here I am, years down the road, and I get that privilege of knowing how God used it already in my life. By leaving Ukraine and getting married, I ended up in a second grade classroom, pouring into the lives of students and their families, even though I couldn't have ever expected it. As that season ended, I landed in a fifth grade classroom a couple years later, and it was exactly where I needed to be. God ends things, but the story isn't over. Even now, as I'm sitting today, I know that God is still working on my story. He can use this season for my life. He can use this season for your life for good. This does not diminish what you're going through, but it does give redeeming quality to your most difficult seasons. It doesn't mean you deserve the pain and hardship you're going through, but it does allow us to have hope. Remembering God's presence is always with us. His promises will always be fulfilled and he has providence. He is sovereign. He can work it all out for good. What that means for us is that we have to persevere even when it's incredibly hard. Joseph is a phenomenal example of staying faithful when it is incredibly difficult. And I think that comes by way of a daily turning to God, a moment by moment giving it to him. It's not a sudden turnaround and now you feel great and wonderful and life is good. It's a moment by moment, a day by day, step by step, giving it over to God, trusting him, trusting that he is still working even in the darkest moments and hardest seasons. Joseph's perseverance is marked by faith. And that faith comes by way of understanding who God is. He understands that God fulfills his promises. He understands that God is present with him and that God can use all things. It shows us that faith and perseverance are oftentimes developed through hardship. We just have to be willing to let God work. We have to be willing to be in it rather than just forge ahead. Part of that comes by way of perspective. The reality is we have a fear of the unknown. I think that's a pretty common reality for most of us, especially when things aren't going well. We wanna know how is this going to work out? How is God going to use this? How can this turn out for something good? So we start to fixate on the problem. How can we fix this? How can we be done with it? How can we move to the next chapter? It reminds me in a really simple way of when I go on the ride Guardians of the Galaxy at Disneyland. This ride feels so incredibly unpredictable to me and I am horribly afraid of heights. Even still, for whatever reason, I force myself to go on it, although it feels completely out of control. I mean, you have no idea what's going to happen next. It's up and down and down and up and bouncing. It's crazy and I don't like it, but somehow I've convinced myself that I have to face my fears and I have to go on it. But when I'm on it, there's these handlebars on either side of the seat. And what I do is I cling to those handlebars with my entire being, with all of my might. My knuckles are white and my arms are shaking. When I get off the ride, my hands hurt and my arms are sore because somewhere in the midst of it all, I have convinced myself that if this ride goes down, if my seatbelt fails me, I'm holding on tight enough. I've got this. I can keep myself in this seat. 
somehow I'm strong enough, I've got it, and I can be in control. We want to be in control. We don't want to face hardship. We wouldn't bring pain into our own lives. So as we fixate and we try to fix what's going on, we try to change our situation and we try to get through it on our own, we end up losing sight of what God is doing through it. We suddenly lose sight. We stop trusting that God is moving in the midst of it all. But let us remember that these troubles we face on earth are momentary. There is one story we know the full ending to. We have a future glory in heaven to look forward to because of what Jesus went through for us. We might not know how our current situation will play out, but we do know that if our faith is in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross in his death and his resurrection, we know where we're going. And there is hope in that truth. Because not all stories have a perfect resolution here on earth the way Joseph's story turned out. All we can do is to put our faith and trust in the one who can use all things. At the same time, I want to encourage you to give yourself grace to struggle. But little by little, remind yourself of the truth that God meant it for good, that God can use it all. Surround yourself with these truths, the truth that he is present with you, that he will fulfill his promises, and that he has providence in a world of chaos in a world of sin and brokenness. Through him, true hope is found. I'm so encouraged by the fact that God is still moving. God is still working and God can use even this. Even this season that you find yourself in, he can use it for good. Take courage. You might feel like you're trudging through mud right now, but God isn't finished with your story. Let me pray for us. Dear God, thank you for the lessons that we can take away from Joseph's story, for the truth that your presence is with us. And I pray for those who are feeling brokenness so deeply in their hearts right now, that they would feel your presence and the comfort of your hope, that they would be surrounded by who you are and the promise that you've given us. Pray that they'd be filled with hope today, that their hearts would be protected and that they would seek you more. Lord, we pray for our world and the truth that our world needs you and they need your hope. And I pray that we would be people who go out and share it. Lord, thank you for the story of Joseph and what we've been able to take away from it. Thank you for using all things, even the hardest things for good. In your name I pray, amen. Hey everybody, thanks so much for watching. Hopefully you were encouraged by what you saw today. My name is Danny, I'm the pastor at Three Crosses and just wanna encourage you, if you're looking to connect more, you can check out our website, threecrosses.org. Uh, we stream our services every Sunday. You can jump in on that. Or if you live in the San Francisco Bay Area, come and find us. We'd love to connect with you. Before you go today, hit the subscribe button. Keep up to date with what's going on week after week. We'd love to stay connected. Have a great one.